Hello everyone and welcome back to the To Be Frank podcast. This is episode 12. We're glad to have you with us. So James, how have you been? I've been very well. It's been three weeks, I believe. Yep. You had a lovely trip away, I assume. I did. Yes. Three weeks since we last saw each other, yep. but one week since the last episode. Yep, because we're consistent. And we are. We, 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 we told each other it'd be one, once every week and we... You know, we're going to stick to that deal, and it's working well so yep. far. all the way up to episode 50, 100, whatever. Yeah, we're whatever we get to, like, 5,000 episodes, like, you know, whatever, like, no big deal. Yeah, but yeah, no, I had a I had a great holiday, went up north, three weeks, just really peaceful, really nice, didn't really, like, it, it wasn't exciting, it wasn't, like, a big adventure, mm. it was mostly just chill, although I did go on a couple of little um, outings. Cool excursions. Went on a, yeah, went on a jet ski tour, um around the bay of islands which is really nice really fun um and another day we went and uh, sailed on the uh, Tucker thompson which is a schooner um or pirate ship well if you're not well versed in (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah we went went on like an old um old ship um sailing around and that was really nice really peaceful Um, I feel like this around the trip was just pure relaxation. Yeah. Just wait. Did you do much work? Because I remember we were discussing. Oh yeah, yeah. So I brought I brought my um, computer and everything um, to do work, but it was very minimal. Like mm. I didn't strain myself really. Um, it was more just during the day I'd muck around, do some writing, editing, social media stuff. Um, I I like set my book up for um, pre order while i was away i'll talk about that in a minute Mm. um but yeah so if i for example was going to go out for lunch i'd just go out i wouldn't like yeah muck around trying to fit it into any schedule or anything like that or say oh i'm going to have a half hour lunch break it's just Mm. i'd chill out do some work if i had the time if i didn't feel like it i wouldn't um so yeah really relaxed kind of good good recharge you know Um, yeah and i'm i'm ready to get stuck back into things as we approach the launch of my book and then working on the sequel. Yeah, pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah. so my book. Um, by the time this episode's up, uh, will be less than a week away from publishing. Uh, the 27th of February in New Zealand time is when I'll be publishing the book, both ebook and paperback, which will be available on Amazon. You can just search The Immortal King. But... The ebook is currently available for pre-order, um, and that's been available for a couple of weeks now for pre-order. So you get that delivered to your Kindle or Kindle. So that just app. downloads on the day. Yep, instantly the moment I click publish. Damn. So everything is ready basically. Like mm. the file is on Amazon. Mm. The file is uploaded. Are you nervous? I just need to click publish a little bit. So once you click, do you need to click publish on the day, or does it like is there like a pre-scheduled? Thing? Uh, for the ebook it's pre-scheduled but then for the paperback i need to go and click publish um but i think i can also publish the ebook early because i think it's scheduled for a certain time in the day but i'll probably do it earlier than that time but 27th uh saturday february that's when it's coming out um that's the committed date there'll be no delays for whatever reason unless i like everything everything's done right like everything's just clicking the button yeah it's all formatted, all edited. Oof. I've gone through it, checked about three times to make sure it's looking good, formatted everything. Um, I've I've done the copyright page. I've 
got ISBNs from the government. Real? Yep. Wow. That's um, real book stuff. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't even know what that means, but I know it's related you know, to books. You know, like on the barcode of a book, it's got that number? Yeah. What is it? That's, it's like international standard book number. It's so, so each book has their own number? Every book has wow. its own individual number for like... And it's like an international thing for like data, record keeping, that sort of thing. Wow. Um, so it's like, I think a 13 digit number. Um, or nine maybe. Might run um, around there. But every book has their own individual one. And so you can go onto any database, any library database, bookstore database in any language... And search that number, um, and it will show up with that book wow. um, if it's in their in their database. Um, but that's it's like official uh, identification number, basically. Damn. It's like the title can be um, different. Like on some lists, it could be "Immortal King, comma the," um, or "The Immortal King." Or if I get it translated, it could be in a different language. Um, but the ISBN stays the same. Um, and that's the thing that identifies it. It's kind of like a student ID number or <laughs> yeah. driver's license number. Um, but I had to request that from the New Zealand government. Um, Is that a smooth, smooth process? Yep. I just um, filled out their form on the National Library website. Um, it's free. Um, and then the next day they got back to me and said, okay, here's your ISBN. Wow. This is it. And put it on your, put it on your book and... Then 20 days after publishing, I have to send them a electronic copy of the book for their to put in the National Library because they want to keep a record of every single book by New Zealand authors for the purpose of like heritage and wow. culture and stuff That's like cool. that. Um, so it's like fully official. So that was like kind of a big deal for me um, doing that because it, it, it made it a bit more real, mm. you know, mm. like it's... In the government's records. Now, even if you die tomorrow, that's there. Yeah. Like, it's just... Now, forever, Jason Malone was an author. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah, pretty much. And it's it's in the government. Um, the, the government has recorded it and everything. So that's mm. a cool thing, but... Um, Are you feeling nervous about the actual release date? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I'm not too nervous, though, because... I don't know, I feel pretty confident that I... I finished it. Yeah. Um, Like, it's... I guess I'll be a bit more nervous if strangers buy it because then I'm going to have to wait for reviews and things like that. Mm. Um, I've already had one... So I've got two pre-orders last time I checked. One was from my mum. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the other one, which surprised me, was someone from Germany. Wow. Um, I don't know who they are. That's so cool. Um, but someone used the German Amazon, um, amazon.de, um, to purchase the pre-order well wow. which surprised because i wasn't expecting anyone to pre-order it um except people i knew to be honest um because it's like my debut novel i'm an mm. indie author uh, i've got realistic expectations for it yeah um so why would you like you, you wouldn't really pre-order something if you don't know if it's going to come out or what yeah, it is true, or anything. True. um but someone pre-ordered it and that was a pretty big deal for me because that's just like my first sale basically mm. and even though they don't have the book yet um They'll be getting it as soon as I click publish, and that's mm. like they've bought that. Wow. Um, so, I mean, I've made a few dollars as an author now. Woo! So it's. Well, that's, that's a significant moment. Yeah. I remember when I made my first dollars, like, I was podcasting for like a year and a half, and then I made my first, like, income from online coaching, and I was just, it was like nothing. It was like yeah. $30 or something. 
and I was like, oh it's my a God. start, eh? Yeah, I was like, oh my God, yeah. I literally made internet money. Yeah. Like, this is money that I made. I didn't get paid a salary. I made this money because I created a product. Mm. Like, that is, that is nice. And then it's just waiting for it to like, and this especially is literally just like, you just wait for more sales. And then, yeah. well, I mean, I have to work more, for the sales. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah. yeah. But, you know, once more products are out, more books, et cetera, it's like, then it's just a snowball rolling down a hill. Yeah, exactly. And the, the snowball just gets larger. Yeah. Which is pretty, pretty phenomenal. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm more excited than nervous. Like, I want to publish it today. I want to hit publish. Yeah. And just have it done. But, like, I want it to be ready. I've got um, one more, like, sort of, hype email that i want to send to my email list mm. this weekend um so i want to make sure there's a bit of a build-up mm. coming up to it so that um more people are aware of it um uh, that it's coming um and then when it does come out they can be like oh yeah it's finally out and then mm. they go buy it rather than just being some obscure novel that they've never heard of yeah um so this podcast will get released on the something 20th or, the 20th, 20th. Yeah. It's eighteenth today, yep. Thursday. Yep. So Friday nineteenth, Saturday twentieth. Oh no, sorry, twenty first. Twenty first. Yeah. So, and then the book will be on twenty seventh. Yes. Wow. So less than a week later. Saturday the twenty seventh. Yep. 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 Oh. So yeah, if you're listening to this before the twenty seventh, stay tuned. Be hyped. So our next episode, the book will be out by the time the podcast is out. Yep. Wow. It will be. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, I'll probably be talking about it. Uh, in the next episode as well. Yeah. Um, trying to get people to buy it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's... It's pretty it's hype. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's finally... Yeah. Happening. Yeah. All it's those years of... Toiling away. It. Yeah. Yeah. Drinking whiskey alone in your room. And yeah. Candles lit and just... Getting heinously drunk like, or writing about... I never... Edward. I never really imagined it would happen. I don't mm. know. Like, I mean, when I first started at least. Um, now it's like... When I first started, real. it was just a hobby. Mm. And I thought like, oh yeah, I'd like to publish it, but I don't think I'd like do it seriously. And mm. I, I thought like, oh, it'd just be something I'd just finish it and upload it and make my own cover, not put any real money into it. Right. Um, but the fact that you've taken it like a professional. Yeah. Like it's not like you're just kind of throwing this thing together. Yeah. It's like every piece of it is professional. Yeah. Like I guess the... When I first started, I imagined that when I published it, it would be kind of the end of right. that journey. Right. Um, but at the but it's feeling like it's only the beginning. Now. Yeah. Like it's feeling like I've finally gone through those years of almost like you've gone through uni and then you enter a right. career yeah. at yeah. the end of it. Yeah. Like it feels like that. Like mm. it doesn't feel like I've finished anything mm. really. It just feels like I've done the Do done the, the practice yeah. and now you I'm just doing the real finished, thing. Um, I don't know what happens at the first Lord of the Rings, but like you're just at the end of the first Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And you're like, you see Mordor over there and you're like, well, yeah, I've got to go all the way to Mordor. Yeah. It's time to go. It's like, it's, it's no way the end of, um, any work I have to do on that book even like yeah. I have to market it. I have to, um, read reviews and, uh, and, and that sort of thing. And then I've got this sequels I'm having to work on. Mm. I want to, pump out book two and book three this year wow. um get that nerve-wracking do you, do you do you how surprised would you be if you didn't get to release both those books this year 
I wouldn't be surprised if I didn't release book three, but if I didn't release book two, I think it'd be pretty surprising. Yeah, that would be surprising, like yeah. it would have it would mean something has kind of gotten in the way that mm. I didn't anticipate. Um, so that could be like budget, um, big life changes. Yeah, that sort of. It thing. would have to be something pretty drastic though, because yeah. when was the second book aiming for release? Um, I'm aiming around July-ish, maybe yeah. August. Depends. Yeah. Um, because I I I still need to get the cover out for it. Mm. Um, I still need to get it edited mm. by an editor, and I haven't finished my part of the editing process yet either. Mm. Um, but I've done the hard part and the long part. Um, so I'm anticipating I could probably get it out around July, August, depending on how long it takes for the editor and artist to do the stuff. Yeah. And also depending on, um, what my budget's looking like. Like if I have, um, if I haven't got enough money to yeah. get an editor, for example, it might take a bit longer because I might have to save up for a few weeks. Yeah. Um, but hmm. July, I mean, August if... is kind of my goal at the moment. Yeah. Maybe we could start a GoFundMe. And then we can, we can pay people. We can make it like a like a stock, right? They buy stock in Jason Malone, and then once you have enough money to buy editors and like all that, we just <laughs> give them back like a little bit, a little yeah, dividend. Maybe I think I'm hope like with the money. If I earn any money from my from the Immortal King, mm. I'm gonna like funnel most of that into my the budget for my next book. Yeah, because um, I'm using book one as like a funnel or like a loss leader so right. i'm not intending on making much of a profit from that i'm just gonna like in terms of just personal income i'm probably just gonna take the money from that to fund my next book yeah um, i think that's the move 100 because yeah. imagine if you just bought a like a nice watch or something i don't know yeah like it would just be like what yeah you know i feel like it's it is the move that's what i'm trying to do with all the hypertrophy hub money like all the millions yeah it's so like <laughs> try and spend it on something that's yeah useful. like grow the because like i'm treating it like it's a business so i'm going to use the money i make from it to grow the business yeah um especially in this case because you have so many things you have to invest in yeah it's like on my so it's not stuff, just editing and cover chill. but it's marketing yeah because um, i'm going to pay for ads and things yeah i think that's the way to go mm. um but yeah, yeah. It's, it's hype i cannot wait to sit on my bed reading it <laughs> i'm going to demolish that book in like a week good <laughs> oh my god man I cannot wait to hold that in my hands. Yes. Yeah, well, I've just thought it's, about it for so long. It's like, jeez. I can't, I can't. Are you going to read it? Like, are you going to read your own book? Probably again? not. Like, I probably won't read it. It's like when people be like, oh, do you listen to your own podcasts? I'm like, kind of, when you edit them. But yeah. Like, I'm not going to sit there and read. I don't think I'll read it. Because I've read it so many times. Yeah, like, how many times do you reckon you've read it through now? Uh, close to 10. Yeah. Um, like... Like, it's al- I'm almost bored of it, honestly. <laughs> like, it's almost to the point where I wouldn't recommend it. But I, I, I want you to read it. That's good. Yeah. Um, I feel it's like, just it's, like it's just like, even if you read, like, the great books, like, if you read, um, like, Harry Potter or something. Yeah. And then it's like, if you read that ten times, it's going to get, like, even Ego is the Enemy for me, I've read that, like, six times, and oh, fuck me. Yeah. I know every word in that book. Like, I know where every sentence lies. Yeah. I, 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 I've just spent so much time not just reading it, but also just like meticulously editing yeah. it, picking it apart. Um, I probably won't bother reading it. Yeah, I've I got like so many other books that I'd rather read. But, yeah. Um, 
I I do like I'm I'm often quite critical of my own work. Yeah. Like I when I make something or do something, I'm I'm often very critical of it and think, oh, this could have been way better. This is not that good. But with my book, I actually think it's really good. Um, I think it's I'm I'm quite proud of it and I'm quite pleased with how it's turned out. And there's not really anything I'd change in it um, mm. or think I could do better. Like I think it's um, the best I can make that story. Mm. And any improvements will come in the later books i reckon but i think yeah i'm I'm very pleased with how it's turned out and i think that's a good sign if i'm pleased with something i've done then i think yeah i think so in general like when i release a podcast and i'm like wow that was good yeah like that's when i'm like okay that probably is a good podcast yeah although sometimes i release them and and people are like that was great and i'm like i thought that was terrible but like (laughs) for the most part it seems to follow that trend yeah of like self-satisfaction yeah seems to be like I was, I just released a post on Instagram. Like I've been trying to spend a lot of time doing infographics over the yeah. last few weeks, and I released this one post. And normally my posts might get like a hundred likes, hundred and thirty. Yeah. This one ended up getting two hundred, oh, okay. and a hundred and something saves. Nice. And then because I think, because one, it's quite aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. So it looks really nice, but also people shared it. So mm. just just because I put like probably four hours into it. Okay. And it was like normally it's like I'll spend maybe two hours and I won't rework the the actual look of it and make yeah. it look nice. But in this case, I just made it look as beautiful as possible. I put like yeah. nice analogies in there. I made like an analogy about water, and so I just put some like nice looking water in there. I tried to make all the images like kind of the same. Yeah. And it seems to be uh, pretty good. And like I was pretty proud of it when I released it, and then I was like, I think this will do pretty well. And they ended up doing, like, the best any infographic has done mm. on my page. So it's, like, I do think that often how proud you are of your work um, does reflect. Yeah. But, I mean, as you said, like, you're not sort of expecting it to be, like, oh, I'm just rolling in money now. No. No. No, I'm not going to suddenly become the next Tolkien the moment I click publish. Yeah. Um, or ever, really. But I, like... I'm hoping I make a decent amount of sales, enough mm. to like f- at least pay for the cover up for my next book. Yeah. Um, I'm not expecting to earn a, like a decent income from from the Immortal King, mm. because the yes. point of it is it's the beginning. Mm. Um, it's. But I think with time. Yeah. Like I, I do truly believe, like especially the quality is kept up to this degree and the passion. It's like, I would find it hard to believe that it wouldn't succeed eventually. It's like it's just yeah. so well thought out. Like like when book two hours out book three is out people will then yeah buy that yeah and then it's like release it on like the 20th of december or something and then christmas and people yeah. get all three or something yeah. well, i know you were saying you'd put two yeah in a box set yeah and then the three third would be with another sort of group of probably children. yeah because book one and two are kind of the they're like one section of the larger story mm. um so I'd, I'd pair those together sell those as like a deal like you can buy two for one or something um i'll see what amazon can do with that sort of thing mm. um and then book three would probably go in like a duology or trilogy on its own as well um but uh also when i've got like four or five books out i'd probably sell like a box of four or five yeah um i'm sure there's ways you could group them logically yeah like ryan holiday's books they originally he didn't intend to sell Ego is the enemy, stillness is the key, and obstacle is the way. Yeah. As like a trio. But they ended up kind of making a trio. Yeah. So it's like, 
it just kind of made sense and like the cover art just kind of works together yeah and I, I don't think it was really deliberate but like the three ideas kind of work in sync yeah. so like it ended up working quite well yeah i mean uh, i could probably also put book three like the first three books into a trilogy mm. logically and also you might like end up creating another universe at some point yeah or venturing into other stories so it's like then once if you ever finish with this universe you could just be like boom here's the 18 book box yeah set. like <laughs> i mean if i that. if i continue to write books at the rate i am like if after book three mm. i'm earning enough money that i can just keep doing it this way mm. that would be cool. um would you slow down though, like because if once it becomes a comfortable income, would you want to slow down just for life purposes? Because uh, I guess that's the goal of a lot of it. It would depend like, because I'd have to ask: Is it a comfortable income because I'm releasing three books a year, or is it a comfortable income because the books are so popular? Mm. Um, so I'd have to if I'd have to see that. Like if if the only reason I'm earning a comfortable income from my books is a, is because I'm releasing them so frequently, mm. I I wouldn't slow down. Yeah, yeah. Um but if it was just like I was making thousands and thousands of dollars off of one book and it was selling not just for one or two months but for mm. a whole year mm. just consistently. Or at least years on end. I'd probably slow down a little bit. But the thing is like I like it. Yeah. And if it gets to the point where the books are so popular that they're making enough money that I could slow down mm. I probably wouldn't need to slow down and I'd have more time for life anyway because I'd yeah. spend less time marketing. Do you think um, your stress... Like, do you think... what In terms of, like, workload and stress, do you think this period you've just gone through, obviously not the holiday, but, like, the six months or a year before that, or do you think the year coming would be, in general, like, more difficult or stressful? Like, what do you anticipate? I'm anticipating the year coming will be more stressful. Um, but I'm also anticipating it will be more rewarding. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's, now it's like you have validation. You know? Yeah, it's it'll be finally yeah, up all this time. For the last year, I wrote like over twenty short stories, mm. wrote the book, started working on the sequel, um, but haven't really got anything to show for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've had like small audience for short stories. People have read those, but I haven't really got any like. Uh, I haven't got like a fan base, you know. Mm. Um, not I haven't got people who would be like itching for the next short story to come out and that sort of thing. Mm. Just people who read them and enjoyed them, um, and then of course people close to me who, like my mother. <laughs> um, but you know, with the books, I think because I'm having to, I'm going to be marketing way more, mm. um, really trying to drive up sales, that sort of thing. I think that's going to increase stress. Yeah. Um, but the reward is going to be great. You think, I if, think. Let, let's say three years down the track and you mega make it, like, yeah. I don't know, like, maybe not JK Rowling sort of stuff, but like pretty big, you know, like yeah. big enough that you might get recognized in the supermarket every now and then. Do you feel as though that would be, like, do, do you, are you kind of nervous or not nervous, not to anticipate that, but like, is there a part of you that thinks that would kind of suck? Like, because if you were just, I don't know, because there's a level of success that I feel like comes with burden. Yeah. Like, I don't think I would let myself get to JK Rowling tier. Really? What yeah. would you do? How would you slow like, it down? I mean, I wouldn't. So you just ban sales? Deliberately slow it down. I just wouldn't. Because like for, for, for someone to get to that level of fame, they have to kind of 
Buying take the bait a bit. Yeah. You know, they have to they have to play the game as well. It's not just like they're sitting around doing nothing, yeah. and suddenly have people knocking on their door. Yeah, that's very true. Um, this is an accidental. Yeah. So like, I would just kind of isolate myself a bit. Yeah. Um, fair. It's just like, um, like not. Like I wouldn't like Elon do... Musk before he became Elon Musk, who he is now. Yeah. Like people used to write books about him, like, "Hey, there's this obscure millionaire yeah. who made PayPal. No one knows who he is." And then he started buying into all the yeah. like, internet fame. Yeah. And now he's like household name. But like ten years ago, when I read this, uh, it was maybe seven years ago. I read this book about Elon Musk, and it was like, "Oh, he's this obscure guy. No one knows who he is. Yeah. He's famous in a circle, but like no one really. He's not like." I don't know, Steve Jobs. Yes, yeah. but now he is. I think I'd try to be like that. Like I wouldn't buy into the, mm. the fame because I, I don't want to have that sort of attention. Like I want to be able yeah. to, you know, I want to be able to go to the park with my family and not have like people just running after me. Yeah, you, know? you can just hide your face. Like... But that's the thing with being an author. Um, it's not like you're an actor. Like because yeah, I'm my content, the stuff I create isn't me yeah it's just i'm the person behind it yeah um like for example i'm i'm sure peter jackson doesn't have as many people running after him as um the what's his name um orlando bloom oh yeah, for example. yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely um so i think I would be fine. I think there'd be a bit of peace there. Yeah, you just um, had to get some bodyguards and <laughs> not a problem. But like, I don't, I don't know if I would be getting to that level. I, I wouldn't mind being big. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm content with just making a livable income off yeah. of my writing. Like even where I'm at now, like obviously I would like to be at maybe, if I times by ten where I'm at now, I'd be pretty comfortable staying there forever. Yeah. That'd be pretty fine. Like. If the podcast got 10 times the views um, and if I had as many clients as I needed and I could yeah. charge a decent amount, m- more than I do now, but not that much more, and I could just chill there for the rest of my life, I think that would be fine. Yeah. I wouldn't be too mad about that. Um, like, I just want to live in a little house in the country and write my books. Yeah. That would, that I'd be content good. with that. I want to live. I mean, not just content, like I'd be happy with that. Yeah, that would be pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, content I feel like is like pretty... Um, being content is yeah. a pretty nice place to be. Yeah. Not bad. Um, so, I mean, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. But I would, the initial thing, like, getting to that point would be yeah. stressful. It's not uh, not an accident. Like, uh, my mentor, Eric Helms, he kind of, um, he doesn't really buy into the fame, but, like, he's just so good at what he does. Mm. And he knows that he can have the biggest impact by communicating science in public platforms, which ends up in being podcasts videos yeah. going on big youtubers channels um yeah creating science etc etc and like that just gets him followers but it's like he himself doesn't want his personality to be famous he wants the information he puts yeah. out and him as a source to be famous yeah like he doesn't that's why he if you ask him to talk about politics or personal stuff he generally tries to avoid it in yeah. in general because it's like he doesn't want to be a personality um and there's other people you can contrast him to who don't really take it that way. Yeah. And then they do get looked at in a different way and they get asked questions that are more um, personal and then they become this celebrity sort of figure. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, you know this person. And yeah. like people are still like that about Eric, 
they still say like oh my god you know eric helms holy shit like he's famous as fuck like but it's he's not like um if he for instance if you compare him to like an athlete like a, a gymshark influencer or mm. something those people are gonna have more fame that's a lot more invasive um yeah and yeah i don't I personally wouldn't really want that, but I would like to be a well-known, respected um, person in the field. You know, yeah, same. like yeah, like that yeah. would be nice. But I'd be able to do my work in a manner where I kind of control. You know, I, I have freedom and I can enjoy and do my work, but it's not like I'm being swamped yeah. or like that. But I feel like because if you become like a personality, if you become a celebrity, you have to play that. Like yeah, you you rely on. Like being constantly in the public eye, mm. um, being whereas, charismatic and all yeah. these things. Whereas if you're like a creator and your your content is what people are after, rather than mm. you personally, like Kogazat, for instance, or like um, even yeah. CGP Grey. Yeah, like CGP Grey is ridiculously famous, but he's notorious for not showing his face. Yeah, so like that sort of thing. Um, I I I would be happy with that, but. Being like a kind of influencer, I don't think I'd like it because you would rely on that mm. um, being in the spotlight constantly. Whereas mm. for an author, you don't need to be in the spotlight; just your work needs to be in the spotlight. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of take a step back. You can go to the supermarket in peace, and everyone will just think you're a normal person, unless mm. they're like a super obsessed fan. Yeah. But in that case, like even then, it's not like a whole crowd of people. It's streaming, one, cheering. It'll just be like one, one person will come person. and be like, "Hey, can I have your autograph or something?" Yeah, hey, I don't think I, I'd mind I, that. I sniff your hair or something. Yeah. Like, but I mean, talking big things here, and it's only just begun. It's, so yeah, it's know. a dangerous process to get yeah. um, thinking about those sort of things at all. I think that's what uh, Ryan Holiday talks about a lot. Like, don't um, don't buy into yourself too much. Yeah, because it's dangerous. Like, I definitely have bought into myself too much. Um, and, like, I haven't been doing this that long, but I've been doing it a while. And it's, like, even when I experienced small amounts of success, I would buy into myself a little bit. And then I yeah. have to bring myself back. Because it's very easy to be, like, I'm now a source. Yeah. I'm now a person in the space who can talk about science communication. I am now a podcaster within the space who people know. Like, yeah. whatever the thing is. And it's often over-exaggerated. And then you, you, you feel at the end, like, oh, my God, I'm not actually that. And then you convince yourself that you're here and it's, yeah, yeah. it's a hard place to be because it's hard to unconvince yourself once you've sort of bought in. But I think it might be my personality type where I'll just be like, let's go. I'm the shit. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to fall into that. Like mm. you, you get a, a little bit of success in what you're trying to do and you think mm. it's like the beginning of big things. Mm. Um, it's yeah. not like, I think everyone has that mm. every um, now and then. One thing I didn't actually mention when we were talking about sort of updates is I'm actually training for a powerlifting competition. Oh, okay. So it's in about 20 days now. Yeah. So now that lockdown's not a thing, I'm glad we scheduled this in that manner. Jason, <laughs> Jason messaged me and he was like, so New Zealand went into lockdown over the last three days and he messaged me one day and we were like, oh, we're recording on Thursday or something like that. And then he was like, let's just book it for Thursday. The day was lockdown was scheduled to end. And let's just hope that it's, we're just going to book it in for in-person and we'll just yeah. be there. And I really, and like, it ended up working out, which is just... Like, there, there was the possibility that our lockdown could be extended. Yeah. Um, a, everyone was I basically just, saying it I just, may be extended. Yeah. Like, everyone said, oh, it's going to be extended. It's going to yeah. go till the weekend or yeah. we're going to go level four. But I said, 
I said to James, um, look, we'll book it for Thursday. It's not then. gonna. It's not gonna get extended. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they haven't said anything about being extended, so we'll just. What did I say? I said we'll I'll plan for Thursday. best. I said we'll plan for best case scenario, but be ready for the worst. Yes. Um, and I mean it worked. Hey, it worked. Yeah. Get manifested, bro. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this um, this powerlifting comp has given me a big um, because now I'm training to basically do the maximum weight I can do on a bench press for one rep. Oh, okay. Um, so it's very, very simple. I'm not doing squat or deadlift. That's what What I'm can not... you do now? I can do 82.5 kilos paused. That was like an RPE 9.5, which nice. is like, uh, could not do anymore. I think, though, um, after I've properly peaked myself and dropped fatigue, I think I'll be able to at least do 85. Okay. But I'm not sure. Um, it's all-time PBs. The whole, the whole thing has been all-time PBs. Like, even hitting 82.5 at all is a PB. Um, personal best, I mean. Yeah. And, yeah, it's quite... It's really fun feeling like an athlete. Yeah. Like, you treat yourself a little bit more seriously. Yeah. Like, um, I've recently changed a few of my habits into more productive habits. Of, for okay. instance, um, like, sleeping at a more reasonable yeah. hour. Um, and eating a little bit more yeah. like an adult. Eating my vegetables and things like that. Fair enough. Um... And like, cause when you when you're a coach and coaching people to do this stuff, you don't take your own shit seriously. Yeah. Cause it's like, oh well, my clients have to take it seriously, but me, I can act like a child. Like it's fine. My training, yeah. it can be whatever. Um, and it is. It's a really nice um, feeling, like having a goal that isn't just, I'm gonna continue improving. Yeah. Cause then it's like, when do you stop like continuing actually, improving? You're actually working for something. Yeah, and yeah. it's a very obvious objective yeah. goal. And you can see, you can measure progress like that. And with hypertrophy specifically, yeah. there is no way to measure progress at all except visually. Yeah. That's it. Except if you have an ultrasound, but who the fuck has an ultrasound? <laughs> so like, yeah. It's... Like you can always keep getting bigger and... Yeah. I mean, I mean obviously you can't become yeah. the Hulk. But For the most part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Start so how, do, how does this competition work like do you just go there and so you go lift? you turn up on the day yeah. there's weight classes okay. um, I'll probably be in the 74 kilo class um, I was going to try and get in the 66 kilo class but now I had to deliberately lose weight Yeah. and I don't really want to do that um, so I'll probably be competing in the 74s um, and that means I'll just weigh in on the day and then after that weigh in I can do whatever um, and then like maybe two hours later that's when the first lift will happen so okay. I'll do my first attempt, which will be like really easy. You want to take your first attempt quite easy. We would call it like an RPE six or maybe okay. even RPE seven, which means four reps from failure or three reps from failure. Right. So theoretically, I could do four reps with what I should open with. Okay. Um, so it should be really easy, relatively. Um, and then the next one might be like an RPE eight, and then really the last one should be a nine. You probably don't want to go to a nine and a half or a ten. Because a nine and a half or a ten is kind of you're risking just bombing out and failing. Okay. Um. You ideally you, you want to just hit all your lifts, so that'll probably be the the um goal. I'll probably open with seventy seven point five. Then, I'm I'm not sure. I might open with eighty, um, and then go to eighty two point five, then eighty five, depending on how I'm feeling though. Right. So, see how warm ups feel, and then we then we pick the numbers, and we go from there. But I'm not really taking it too seriously. Because it's just a novice comp, but yeah. I do want to test my knowledge because I've learned a lot about peaking for powerlifting in the last year. And um, yeah. So how do you win? You just lift the heaviest. Yep. 
Whoever lifts the heaviest, they win. Nice. Yep, it's a pretty fun sport. Like it's, uh, <laughs> it's the the people who are world class at it are ridiculous. Like the people in my weight class, who would be like world champions, yeah. they would bench like a hundred kilos more than me. Jeez. Like they're built for it. I'm not at all a powerlifter. Like I'm not built to powerlift at all. I'm yeah. the most suboptimal <laughs> powerlifter on the planet. No, I mean but it's like, something fun and yeah, I'm just doing it to be. I'm 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 versing myself. You can say like, oh, I I got placed this in this mm. competition. And if someone asks, oh, how much do you bench, bro? I'll be like, oh, by IPF rules, uh, with three white, with yeah. three white lights, bench eighty two point five with a pause or whatever. Like, you know, there like you go. you've got your standard. This is what I bench, and then yeah. also it gives me a continuous goal. So I'll probably continue to compete, but right. maybe just once a year, once like yeah, once every year. It's a or good so. start. Yeah, it's pretty fun, um, but it's literally just for fun, which yeah. is nice because I guess you can compete in the sport recreationally. Yeah, and that's kind of the point. And like, if you're not doing it for fun, then why are you really doing it? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I also um have now like locked in my honors program, so nice. I know exactly what I'm doing. There'll be a dissertation, five papers, pretty fun, pretty hyped. Do you know what you're doing your dissertation on specifically? No, nah, me and Eric are having a call on Monday to talk about that. We've got it got it sorted out nice pretty excited um not exactly sure what we'll be doing but it'll probably be joining on with some of the other research that we're doing yeah millennium um pretty oh, hard. yeah exciting yeah exciting times yeah. for both of us yeah coming up yeah also doing a pt cert which is fun but it's so basic like it's very easy oh yeah do you want to talk about that yeah but i mean i'm just doing it so i can get out of countdown I fair can, enough and stop working in a supermarket like yeah uh, it's man I'm not i'm not <laughs> loving that shit but I try and be stoic about it, but um, yeah. yeah, the goal is just to get out of um, that by getting a PT cert, because then it's like yeah. it's a job that actually builds on it, and I would probably want to stay at a PT company for, or a gym, I guess, for maybe like three, four, five years, okay, something like that, and I would just find a gym that I think is trustworthy, maybe move to Melbourne. Hmm. Um, you wouldn't want to just set up your own training service? No, nah, fuck no, absolutely <laughs> not, not a chance, fuck that shit. Fair enough. That, sh- that is just so like... You think you end up training people and you think you end up just thinking about lifting all day, but you think about like housing stuff and like logistics of owning a gym rather uh, than any yeah. of the other stuff. Like it's a, it's not a fun, um, yeah. it's not like, like I know a few people who own gyms and it's just like, they're always like stressed 24 yeah. seven. And it's just like, that does not seem conducive to do yeah. what I want to do. Fair and then also I'm investing in such a local space, you know, like I'm investing in brick and mortar. Whether yeah, if I have money, why not invest in, in like things that I can do online? Yeah, things and like you that. can move wherever you want and yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's... and I guess if you're working for a gym, all you do is think about lifting. Yeah, you, you actually just have to train them. people. Yeah. yeah, that's your only job. There. Yeah, fair enough. So then there's nothing, none of the back end stuff, and you can pretty much charge what you want. Yeah, um, within reason. Um, but you do have to pay rent to the gym, but it's pretty easy stuff um but i would be pretty excited because i think i'd learn a lot there and it would be a much better job so that's one motivator but i think in general it would allow me to really show um the industry why evidence-based is um quite useful because i want to be able to integrate evidence um evidence and science and practical application yeah and i can't do that if i haven't trained enough people in person so i have to start training people in person yeah um because yeah, I at the end of the day, I want to be at the top of the industry, so it's like, this is an essential step. Mm. Um, regardless of, I already coach people online, yes, but like, in person personal training is kind of a, 
you would learn a lot from it that you cannot learn from online. Um, yeah. So yeah, I pretty hyped about it. I mean, the course isn't going to be the finest thing in the world because it's very basic. Like yeah, very but it's basic. a good start. Like you, you yeah. kind of got to do it. Isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, the course is just a tick box. Yeah. But I mean, the course has to be done. So yeah. it is what it is. You'll learn stuff. Nah, I'd, no, no, I, I maybe like <laughs> there's, but some of this stuff is really, really basic. Like year oh, one, okay. some of it would be like year thirteen PE. Like they really don't set up personal trainers for success in, in the oh, industry. Okay. Like the 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 courses they do have are just not that good for the most part. There's one good company in Australia, JPS Health and Fitness, who I've done a lot of collaboration with, and they're fantastic. Like I would, um, at some point, want to collaborate with them in a more long term manner. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they, they, their sort of whole message is basically raising the standard. So they're trying to raise the standard of the industry because the standard is low. The standard is really low. Right. And that's why I think I'll do quite well as a PT. Cause it's like, you don't need to be that good to be an excellent PT because yeah. the standard is really low because there's basically no regulation. Like you get your PT cert and then you get reps registered and then you're good to go. And then it's like your PT certificate often does not teach you that much. Mm. And like you just hear personal trainers say things all the time and it's just often really misinformed. So yeah, I would rather get in the trenches um, and then I could have a positive influence on a single gym and then potentially join a chain gym and then, or at least a more reputable chain gym and then try and have an influence through there um, and teach people through there. Yeah. And, um, bring evidence-based um, to there. But I mean, there's other people trying to do it as well, which is good. Yeah. Um, and I want to... Also, I want to, at some point, find people that I can uh, bring into Hypertrophy Hub or oh, yeah. like actually find partners to do this with. And I think in-person PT might be a decent place to do that. Because yeah. like, there's people I know online. But yeah. And also, I need to put myself in a position financially where I can spend a lot of time on Hypertrophy Hub Mm. I think this will be the move. Do you have any like big long-term plans for your online coaching? Mm. Like expanding it? Or... Yeah, just I would like to hire a coach at some point. Um, hire a physiotherapist part-time. Oh, yeah. um, maybe hire a psychologist as well. Many of the top companies have done this. Um, also automate hypertrophy with algorithms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, that's a do you ever see yourself show. as being like a kind of manager, but you do none of the... Coaching? I would probably want to do coaching for the rest of my life, I think. But I like it's like with Eric. Like Eric really does. He's kind of set out the blueprint for what I want to do. Yeah. Um, because for instance, right now the only people he coaches is like, I don't know, le- probably less than five people, and one of them is a world champion powerlifter, like record breaking. Mm. Every year he wins. Bryce Lewis. He's like the one hundred five kg world champion, like three years in a row or something. Yeah. I think he didn't compete last year because of injury, but. In, in general, he's pretty damn good. So and he, they've been coaching, they've been working together before Bryce was even in powerlifting. So Eric pretty much only works with clients where it's like really good bond there yeah. and the coach-client relationship is sort of really, really solid there. And they also have a very good understanding of the stuff. Yeah. Like I don't just want to work with athletes, but I probably wouldn't be working with general population right? Um, in the later stages of my career. But like, Fair enough. I just want to be able to have enough reputation and expertise and knowledge to be able to, instead of affecting the industry in a way that's like one plus one, meaning like I'm affecting one person at a time individually by interacting with them one on one, compared to like one squared, which would be like or one to the power of whatever, 
um, where it's like I create a video course that's free or something and then people go and watch it just as an example I don't think this would actually do that much um, but for instance some some way that I can have a massive impact on population health yeah because that's the biggest problem like the reason I got into all of this is like diabetes and like obesity because yeah. like that's the most like if if I'm saying I give a fuck about health and then I'm focusing all my efforts on bodybuilders yeah that's kind of problematic um, so then yeah I want to apply resistance training to the general population and help them yeah. understand it and apply it so I think bodybuilders are generally pretty healthy yeah for people. the most part if they're not taking heaps of gear yeah <laughs> if they take a little bit of gear okay you might still be kind of healthy but like if you take a lot of gear and even if you start taking gear in general it's probably not the best thing yeah but lifting weights in general and acting like a bodybuilder is pretty good for you yeah I mean cardio could often be better but like yeah for the most part yeah they're pretty healthy and like the main problem is just general population like it's not it's often not even like their nutrition is problematic but that's a societal issue yeah that we cannot fix until we restructure <laughs> how fucking like corporations and food work yeah so that's not going to happen anytime soon and that's really not within my power but even um, then like like a lot of the shit food is because it's cheap yeah um it's like it's, so it's, it's like this whole obesogenic environment yeah which is literally just if we could solve that but the only way to solve that is law change or literally law change like there's not really many other options like yeah. it has to be through policy um like people always look at it as like we can just educate people no like <laughs> that isn't effective like yeah. it's been shown to not be effective like um, you can tell a person all you want oh you have to eat this way to be healthy but mm. if they go to the supermarket and they can't afford that then mm. all that education is going to be for nothing and it's going to make them feel bad about themselves yeah and the food is less rewarding and it's confusing you get yeah. told a million different things you don't yeah, know what to believe exactly. um like is the health star rating good is the health star rating not good yeah. i personally think it's pretty good um but it's like that's up for debate yeah um seems like every single nutritionist has a different opinion yeah exactly so it's like the if i just went hard into nutrition i would just become another person trying to go hard into nutrition yeah and they all have different opinions because it's so tribal in nutrition like it's so tribal yeah um and that's so problematic because it's like then how does anyone really have an impact and it's not yeah. like there's one message everyone's trying to push out because you have the people pushing for instance calorie balance so how many calories are you eating and how much is your weight changing blah 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 and like then you have people saying calorie balance sucks it's problematic for this this and this reason you need to worry about how processed the foods are mm -hmm. and then you have people saying sugar's the problem eat keto don't do anything else like yeah. and, and then you have carnivore like whatever and it's yeah. like there's just all these different tribes but for me it's like we can pr it's pretty hard to refute that resistance training is probably one of the highest impact things that any population can do yeah like by far the the act of gaining muscle um through um resistance training is probably the thing that has the biggest impact on someone's health for the most part in like at least 95 percent of the population right like it just has so many positive effects that are so easily easy to get like the 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 effect is so massive and it's just so underutilized like it's just uh i don't know the problem is applying it though that's the only issue 
like it's 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 that's the hard thing like with um cardiovascular training for instance you can you can apply that pretty easily but it's not like it's um it's not quite as effective but it does have higher effectiveness for like for instance treating depression and treating mental health conditions in general um cardiovascular fitness seems to be a lot more effective like it it, it what if you did both that would be the best by far the best because that's one of the main problems for people who lift weights is they often are just thinking oh cardio doesn't matter at all doesn't, cardio doesn't kills gains <laughs> yeah it doesn't have any effect or it's negative yeah like, yeah and yeah it's just the hard part is applying getting people to exercise in any capacity yeah like i i, I want to push resistance training but i don't care if people want to do gymnastics or or running or yeah swinging a hammer around in the backyard <laughs> like it really doesn't matter like yeah. as long as someone's doing some form of exercise that they enjoy um they're not doing too much training and they're not doing no training yeah as long as they're doing something that generally meets the activity recommendations like at least at least two hours a week like of just general activity yeah. even if that's walking like if you have to start off walking that's fine like You'll still get, like, for instance, if you look at someone's blood glucose response, after they go, like, if, for instance, I've done it personally where I've drank a liter of juice and I've had, like, 500 grams of potatoes, and then that will spike your, your blood glucose. And it's just, that's what everyone's body will do. There's nothing wrong with that. And it'll spike to, like, five, oh, no, not five, probably, like, eight to 12 on, like, the yeah. blood glucose scale. Normal, like, resting would be, or, like, fasting would be, like, four three to five somewhere okay. in that range for most people most people will like healthy blood glucose response so non-diabetics um and once you like if i if it's somewhere in the eight to twelve range just after a meal and then you go for a walk instantly it drops by okay. back down to like six five and then normal again was five to three so it and that's one of the main things is that it, it's a driving food to the appropriate places rather than you eat but it's not like this acute window after eating food is problematic it's more yeah. like if you just don't have any mechanism to drive food into the muscle or drive glucose into the muscle that's one right. of the mechanisms through which being sedentary is problematic yeah and it's not just that but it's also not true that you can just exercise and then 100 percent your health is perfect like if you exercise for an hour a day but then for the rest of the day you are sitting in off in an office you are literally not moving you are just sitting there typing um, and you're stressed and you sleep shit, you're still not going to be at optimal health like yeah. just because you exercise one hour a day. Like, it's just the... And this is where I kind of... I'm not sure where my career will end up because it's like the problem of health is so much more than just body composition. Yeah. Although that is a massive part of it. Like, that's just one part. Like, for instance, obesity occurs for many reasons and stress is one of the main causes and mm. how do we decrease the stress of the whole population like yeah that's a very very hard thing to solve it's a mental health thing mm. rather than a physical health thing yeah like we're all doing too much we yeah. have too little time we waste time on our phones but that's not really our fault like the phones are made to be addictive yeah. and they're stressful and, and that's the thing that reminds me you brought up um a point just before uh that it doesn't matter what exercise you're doing and one thing you said is that it should be enjoyable. Yes. And I think that's another really important point um, 
to make and you kind of just glossed over it mm. um, but I want to bring that back um, because if you aren't enjoying your exercise mm. you're going to see it as like a chore yeah. and then when you add that on top of everything else you have to do in the day so you add that on top of your 8 hours work mm. your 2 hours commute all your chores you have to do at home looking mm. after kids whatever add on an hour half an hour of something you hate doing yeah it's just going to increase stress yeah that's, that's why not I don't gonna have a, for everyone um, yeah but i do think at the start it's often not going to be fun that's why i try not to emphasize the it should be enjoyable um part too oh, much okay. because like people i don't know like everybody looks at exercise as this thing that's inherently stressful yeah. But it's like once you have attained level of fitness, a level of fitness, and like there's multiple characteristics which we could say sort of make up fitness, like for instance, strength or agility or, okay. or flexibility, yeah. and these things are easily defined. Um, there's any form of exercise requires a certain level of those characteristics for it to feel okay. Right. So it's just getting to the, peri- the, the, part of the, the point at which you have a level of those characteristics where you feel okay doing it. Mm. like now for instance obviously i can't go and bench press 100 if i've never bench pressed 100 but if i bench press 60 it feels great and i go out of the session like i, I did yeah. that today and it was fantastic it was easy like but then if i tried to bench press 60 when i first started it's just not gonna happen i was benching the bar i was benching 20 kilos yeah and even walking for instance or running like if i went for a run right now it would be atrocious <laughs> like it just it would, it would not feel the same um but then if i went for a run back when i used to run yeah it feel great but then if i actually kept up my running now if i if i ran twice a week for half an hour mm. at just a a pace that i can have a conversation at then i guarantee my cardiovascular fitness would rise quite rapidly because your body is instantaneous not instantaneously but pretty quickly adapting to the stimulus because mm. you're just prevent presenting a stimulus and then the body says okay that stimulus is there do we have the resources to adapt yes no okay yes let's adapt but obviously it's not that straightforward but for the most part you can kind of think of it like that stimulus potential adaptation if you're not too stressed or not in the gutter um and then you now have more of that fitness characteristic at least for as long as you maintain it but the nice thing is that maintaining any fitness characteristic is really easy yeah like you can do one ninth of the amount of work or the total weightlifting time, or the number of sets that you're doing, and you will maintain all your muscle mass. Really? So it's like one ninth. It's nothing. Yeah. You could do, you could go, say if you were working out four times a week for an hour and lifting weights, and you gained like 10 kilos of muscle, you could then move down to doing once or twice a week for like half an hour, maybe twice a week for half an hour, and just train kind of hard, train every muscle group, do like two sets per muscle group, and in general, you probably yeah. won't lose muscle. You might even grow muscle, potentially. But I mean, like, a ninth, that's 10 minutes of a 90-minute session. Yeah, easy. But yeah. I mean, you kind of have to couple the muscle groups. Right. Um, which is the hard part. But for the most part, you could do like one or two sets per muscle group per week, and you would be fine. And like, mm. obviously, that wouldn't be enough for optimal health, though. Yeah. Like, that's a different thing. Um, but at least to maintain your, your muscle growth. Yeah. Um, pretty damn easy so it's not exactly like you regress super fast either like it takes two weeks after stopping lifting weights to start losing muscle mass right and then there's some very well documented mechanisms that um muscle will just come back like that yeah so it's like muscle memory is real 
and muscle stays around for long for a long time yeah the hard part is just building it in the first place but once you've got it yeah it's kind of there forever like yeah. as long as you can go and get it back like if you lift weights now in your 30s let's say we're in our 30s right <laughs> and then we lift weights now and then we we have a really busy um 40s to 55s or whatever yeah and then at 60 we start lifting weights again we will still have some of that muscle memory and it's likely we'll grow a lot of that muscle back Pretty and that good. will be the most important time to grow it because everybody then has got sarcopenia, higher risk of diabetes, heart disease, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And all of those are mitigated by gaining more muscle. And it's like the biggest impactful factor. Yeah. But then it's like... So start now, everyone. Yeah, for real. Like it's, <laughs> It doesn't matter, but you don't have to gain muscle. Like that doesn't have to be a goal. Yeah. Any goal is very useful. I just yeah. think hypertrophy or muscle growth has a, a a larger than average size effect size on um, yeah. on health um, compared to like if someone increases their cardiovascular fitness it's kind of an acute effect right but I think if you increase muscle mass since it's such a long term permanent change or and it's something you can see you just like look in the mirror and you can see it yeah it's results. an obvious fitness yeah. characteristic like it's it's presented right there yeah and like it's just so powerful because it especially when you combine it with nutrition mm. it's like we're having in general most people are having too many calories and then what happens when you gain muscle you burn in general a few more calories a day it's not a massive amount but even just the upkeep of that muscle mass will burn a lot more calories and then also the distribution of where those extra calories are going is going to be massively changed yeah because you're storing way more glycogen and okay. glycogen is basically just a form of glucose glucose that's stored in your muscles yeah so it's fucking op it's yeah. so good like and it's so easy to gain too and i've never ever met any person of any gender who has deliberately said i'm gonna try and gain muscle and then they've gained muscle and regretted it yeah like no one even female male like yeah i've never heard of that happening before because yeah. I, I, uh, often <clears throat> certain populations will sort of think oh no i don't i, I want to keep looking athletic or yeah. i don't want to look too big or i i i often females will sort of feel as though they don't want to get too bulky yeah but it's, especially it's, among women i think they yeah. worry about looking like a man mm. and i think that's primarily because of like poor stereotypes around women not yeah sh- who saying women shouldn't be strong yeah or women shouldn't um yeah strive to be like for instance um eric made a really good podcast about it but it's like for instance when women deadlift on and they put it on instagram people make comments saying oh look at your face when you're deadlifting it's like if a male yeah. deadlifts their face looks like shit because that they're, yeah. they're trying hard and if a female <laughs> deadlifts it's gonna look the same yeah and like people just always kind of like general society still hasn't accepted that women should grow muscle too i think people sometimes forget that we're we're all just monkeys yeah man. apes <laughs> Mon- monkey like jeez man yeah these, these monkeys need to express their uh strength and yeah but like so so with um when it comes to food, um, it's important to eat healthy, but it's more where that food is going rather than what you put in. Is that what you were yeah, saying before? kind of. Inter- like, nutrition's kind of a... Um, like, that is a... I think that's probably the biggest thing because nutrition's hard. Yeah. I Like, that... I mainly say that because nutrition has so many barriers in front of it. Um, because, for instance, if someone deliberately tries to lose weight the chances of them failing is very, very, very high. Yeah. It's something like 95%, although that's a kind of, that specific statistic is kind of problematic. Um, 
and also weight aiming for active weight loss is also really hard so and also it can be quite detrimental um from a mental health point of view so it's like if we just at least throw exercise in there or hypertrophy can change the degree to which food is like that but um in terms of eating healthy the main thing is processed food um right like it has the biggest effect size it's the thing we know that causes the biggest problem like but it's like, okay, then how do we define processed? Yeah. Um, like, for instance, there was a study by Stefan Guillenet and Kevin Hall, um, two prominent researchers that work with the National Health Institute in America. Um, and they're, they're pretty well respected. Um, yeah. They have a lot of beef with the keto community, though, okay. because they um, kind of refute their points. Um, not that keto is problematic. It's just some people in the keto community are quite problematic. But um, with processed food... Um, you can if you compare a meal of uh, non-processed food or less processed, which might be like some rice and some meat and then some vegetables and maybe uh, some beverage of some kind, right. uh, like whatever the beverage is or something. Um, but the, a calorie equivalent meal to another meal that would be more processed. So it might be something like a muffin. And maybe some mac and cheese mm-hmm. and something else. Like all stuff that's been a little bit more processed. So like the say the rice was like a little bit processed because it came out of a packet or yeah. things like that. Like that. That's just a degree to which it's pro- processed. So it's processed a little bit. Yeah. Processing will basically just make food taste a little better and it will make food either a little bit higher calorie or they'll add certain yeah. things to it. To so how it. how do we define process? Because isn't like it's a hard thing to bread define. process like the yeah, moment we is, take the grass and turn yeah, it into technically flour, that's a degree that's to which something's processed. Yeah. But like for instance, uh, a Big Mac or chocolate is is what we would call hyper palatable food. Okay. So it's highly um, calorie dense. So the the amount of weight the food has compared to how many calories it has. Right. But then if you take something like cabbage, obviously that's very very low in terms of calorie density. So we, in general, want to have, like, it would be, I think, a decent rule for a lot of people is to try and get the majority of their food or 80% of their food from non-processed sources. So, like, rice would be fine, vegetables are fine, meat is fine, eggs are fine, milk is fine, things like this. Like, it's very hard to overconsume on things like fruit. Very, very, very hard to eat too much fruit. Like if you the try, worst that will happen is you get a bit of a tummy ache. And yeah, you'll just shit yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, uh, it's, it's, um, yeah. But it's, it's, you kind of just have to look out for like calorie density would be the main thing. That kind of requires some education though. That's why I think the health star rating is quite good. Right. Um, because it, it generally, um, like I don't know how they specifically evaluate it, but everyone that I've seen seems to be pretty logical in terms of calorie balance because that's the main problem we're running into because the only reason we care about the processed food is not because we need to eat organic or some shit like that does not matter at all organic has zero difference it has no impact at all just to make that very clear it does nothing (laughs) um and it's a waste of your money but like (laughs) um when food is more processed it can generally contain more calories and then it's like calories are the end result problem like we're just eating too many calories for the most part for everybody but it's we cannot just say it's the individual's fault because they're being served a diet of shit yeah like and it's very it's not just the income thing as well like it's also 
what am I meant to eat? You know, what's a standard diet? Yeah. Especially in America. Like, an American thing, if you go out to dinner in America, like, you can get ribs, and then what do they have on the side? Mac and cheese and something <laughs> else. Like, these things, like, mac and cheese is so calorie dense, it's not even funny. Yeah. Like, but that doesn't mean we should fear mac and cheese and never have mac and cheese. Yeah. It just, these can't be the staples of our diet. Right. Um, but I do really want to note, I'm not a nutritionist. This is just what I've learned from interviewing people on this subject. And I don't have any n- nutrition qualifications. So, good, I, good I, to point that yeah, out. Yeah, I am cautious. I might put a little disclaimer in the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, although this is pretty standard, like, um, and this is like the consensus for the most part. Okay. You will get some sort of, um, tribes that disagree but in general when we're talking to actual scientists in nutrition people who actually understand the scientific method and, and follow it because they money isn't their top priority mm. um this I seems think, to be the general consensus i think one thing that i've seen a lot of nutritionists fight over um well two things um saturated fat and sugar mm. saturated fat is a complex one okay um it I I don't think I should touch on it too much, but in general, it's uh, like we know trans fats are definitely bad for you. Yeah. Um. Or for the that's most some part. things like biscuits and chips and yeah, but that. they're generally like uh, not they weren't there to begin with, you know. Yeah. Like they're not uh, natural yeah. in terms of although like natu- I, natural is a pretty problematic word. In this I case. um I was reading a thing about trans fats and it said like the recommended intake if you have to eat trans fats. So best to eat none at all. But if you're going to eat them, it's like 0.3% or something yeah. like, like that. There's just no, there's no way we can argue that they're great. Um, yeah. But saturated fat? Saturated fat's kind of different because it kind of depends where it's coming from. Yeah. Um, for, I believe, I don't want to skip a step out of my scope of practice here, but Fair enough. in general, it seems as though the, the, the place they're coming from whether it's from a vegetable or from an oil or something like that. That's when they or can become meat. problematic. Meat in general doesn't seem to be a problem, I believe. Okay. Um, like it's hard to tie meat to uh, heart disease or things like that unless the meat is processed, like right. sausages, salami, things like that. Although that stuff tastes great, what about is, but the, the, risk, the risk is still a small um, degree of risk. Like it's, right. we're talking about like degrees of risk rather than on off switches okay. um mints probably not problematic it's literally just ground up beef yeah okay like i wouldn't worry about that um because <laughs> like, i do admit i love to just open a whole pack of mints and put it on a pan and eat that seriously yeah how much like 500 grams yeah, about that you eat a whole pack yeah what? i eat heaps wow i'm hungry you should track <laughs> your calorie intake just for a few days okay i bet you don't eat as much as you think yeah i bet you eat Large meals. I well, that is the thing. Small... Yeah, I, I eat large meals, but I don't like snacks. How many the day. meals do you generally have a day? Two, probably. Okay, yeah. You so I might have like a, a lunch, a dinner, um, and then like a, a dessert, maybe. Do you think about food very often, or it's just kind of like Not really. it's just a thing? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I think you're just eating whenever you want. Like it's yeah. fine, which probably isn't that often. I mean, it, you guys can't see Jason, but he's got he's got a fantastic physique. Like he's just <laughs> he's just a, a bit of a specimen. Like, obviously eats his protein. Like, just works very well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I guess I don't eat that much, but I mean, I say I eat lots yeah, yeah. of big meals. But and it's not if you were literally one of your meals is like that's a f- fine meal. There's nothing problematic from a health perspective. It's not a great meal. 
like <laughs> from a nutri like the chef's perspective or whatever. Oh no no no! Yeah. But like <laughs> from a health perspective, it's fine. Like, well, I would you, argue with those chefs as well, actually. But anyway, you reckon? What do you put on it? Just tomato sauce. I fry and butter and garlic, and that's it. Yeah. And you just have five hundred grams of mince. Yeah. You'll have the whole five hundred grams. Whole five hundred grams. Put it in a bowl. How much protein is that? It's quite a lot. It's a lot of protein. It's like that's why I have it basically to get your protein intake. Do you yeah. know what the uh, protein recommendations are? Isn't it like if you're trying to build muscle? Mm. Isn't it like one point seven times your body weight in grams? No, I would no, I would I would go with better recommendations. Would be, um, around a gram a pound is one gram per pound is okay. That's very easy to remember. Right. Um, or we can go. We one, don't weigh ourselves in pounds, though. Yeah, that's why we would go one point six to two point two grams per kg of body weight. Right. Well, that's um, kind of just what I said, isn't it? Kind of, but it one point six to two point two is a range. Yeah. So I just put but it specific. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, like when I'm just when I'm looking at the protein on a pack of meat or something, that's yeah. the calculation I just make in my yeah. head. Yeah. If you ate, but I, you would probably the best way to do that is to eat in um. Well, the way that would stimulate the most muscle growth would be to eat at least three um, meals per day containing at least 30 grams of protein. Okay. But then having so you your think overall I should... intake be... Um, like if you had... If you split that mince up into three different meals and you had those three meals throughout the day. But I mean... I would, would just, be better. I would honestly just continue eating how you're eating. Okay. Like you are healthy. You're fine. I mean, you have enough works, muscle mass. Like do you really want more muscle mass? How much do you care about I mean, about I wouldn't it? mind getting more, but, like, yeah. I'm not bodybuilding, you know? Yeah, you could... Yeah, I mean, it would have a, a very small effect unless you wanted to do resistance training. Right. Like, changing your protein intake won't do that much unless there's a need for muscles to be built. Okay. But it doesn't directly stimulate... Um, well, it does stimulate muscle protein synthesis, but, like, yeah. it's a small thing compared to the amount that it would if you did that. And you were lifting weights. Right. I mean, swinging the hammer around, or uh, what do you call it? The garter. Swing, swing the garter around. That would probably stimulate some hypertrophy. Um, I mean, it, build, it makes me big. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've noticed yeah. muscle growth from Yeah, because you're getting a stimulus to the muscle. Yeah. That's definitely not optimal, but like it's close enough yeah. to generate a significant stimulus. Which is it's probably great. more optimal for me because I would probably go yeah, to the from, gym less. Yeah, from an adherence perspective, it's definitely yeah. optimal. I mean, from like a applying mechanical right. tension to yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. to the muscle to generate as much. Yeah, like I mean, I'd like to have a home gym one yeah. day, so I'm not just using the mm. garter and body weight. Yeah. Um, when you do, hit me up and I'll write you the most fire program. All right, so I'll make you a. a I'll pay for, pay for it with online coaching service. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, we'll do weekly check-ins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I'm making heaps off my books, I'll I'll go hypertrophy hub nice. training. We we um. I can say we're we're sponsored by Tales by Ardon. Yeah. <laughs> sponsored by the Tales by Ardon. Sponsored universe. by Jason Malone, author, <laughs> world renowned. <laughs> yeah. Um, um the other so saturated fat's not that bad, but the processed stuff. Yeah. It's saturated just, fat I, is I wouldn't, as bad. Like on the individual level, I wouldn't try and unless someone really wants to educate themselves, I wouldn't go looking around for certain ingredients. Right. At all, ever, pretty much. Because it's so hard to know what's problematic i would just generally look for least less processed in general overall okay um but like yeah and the other thing that people argue over is sugar sugar is a, a fun one um <laughs> tell us about that uh so people's 
arguments around sugar will commonly i'm i have a very strong opinion on sugar and i've developed this opinion over the last five years because i was originally on the exact other side of the camp so mm. there's this guy called gary taubes who um he he wrote this book called the truth about sugar or yeah i think it's called the truth about sugar something like that don't read the book it's fine whatever just don't read the book mm. um the book is uh basically he's a journalist and he's writing about sugar um and the problem that this presents is he was trying to interpret science and then he basically formed a narrative based on incorrectly reading science mm. um so his conclusion basically came to sugar is causing obesity sugar sugar is causing diabetes sugar is causing all metabolic disease problems so that would be you have metabolic disease problems and then you have diabetes and things like that are underneath the bracket of that and he basically argued that that was causing the problems basically and then he tries to extrapolate to this causes all the problems within society blah 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 and it's quite um a large leap to make but i can see why people come to that consensus because it, it, intuitively, if we think about diabetes, um, I don't want to go into like a pathophysiology lesson here, but like diabetes in general is a glucose, it's, it's an inability to deal with glucose. And right. glucose is mostly direct, like directly sort of, um, it's the it's closest form of that we eat is sugar. So that would be the closest thing to it, except literally drinking glucose. Right. And that's the thing. What is glucose? Glucose is just a form of sugar. Okay. So it's just sugar in a form that we can use within the body. Right. Um, but we, we, we then... Tr- Do we need it? Yeah, Do I we need it. Right. We need it. Yeah, okay. it's fine. But I mean, you won't get glucose just from sugar. You get glucose from protein. You get glucose from fat. Okay. You get glucose from um, like car- any carbohydrate will we'll very quickly convert, convert into glucose. Um but the presence of glucose itself isn't the problem. It's often the load plus the problem on the back end is we're not driving the glucose anywhere. So it's just right. kind of floating around. There's no reason for it to leave the bloodstream. Okay. So then having high levels of sugar in the bloodstream and that sort of when, when we test our blood glucose, that's what we're getting. We're testing how much sugar is currently in the blood. Right. Um, and let's say for a normal person, that's between three to five. Um, if you're a diabetic... And if you're struggling and you're not on insulin and it's just sort of chronically high um, because you basically are not insulin sensitive Mm. um, because insulin is basically the hormone that drives um, glucose out of the muscle. I mean, out of the blood and into the muscle or the liver or the kidney. I mean, no, no, not the kidneys, um, the liver and the muscle primarily. Um, And basically, if that has been, if we've been consuming so much glucose, but also not driving the glucose anywhere through mechanisms that don't use insulin, like, for instance, exercise, mm. which uses non-insulin-mediated um, glucose transport. So if we're not doing that, then glucose is just floating around in the bloodstream 24-7. Um, and then that basically leads to damage by the glucose. Um, it's basically... Oh, I forgot the technical name for it. But basically, that will lead to retinopathy, which is basically your eyesight... Right. getting destroyed and this is this is diabetes so okay. this is just what diabetes actually does um it'll lead to blood um blood cell damage um or blood uh, vessel damage more accurately um which would and that would sort of result in like for instance at the feet we'll start to see numbness um, because nerves will die mm. um, we will start to see a lack of blood rushing back in after we make blood leave the body so 
basically blood flow to the distal um, extremities really won't be that good. And let's say we get a wound down there. The wound will now not heal. Like, as a podiatrist, I have seen multiple wounds which haven't healed for months. And this person might just have cancer or they might just have diabetes. Right. And then eventually that leads to around 400 amputations per year in New Zealand. Jeez. And, yeah, diabetes is accelerating at quite a fast rate. Like, uh, obesity is a problem, um, but diabetes is accelerating faster than obesity is. Okay. Um, because diabetes is a lot more than just obesity. Although obesity is the main risk factor, it's definitely the largest risk factor because obesity is caused by excess energy intake, excess energy intake, generally more sugar floating around in the blood. Mm. But it's, it's kind of problematic to say sugar here because there's not necessarily evidence to say sugar leads to diabetes. Um, one, that's really hard to tease out because we have to, if we wanted to do that using science, we would have to identify populations that consume more sugar on average and then basically we have to have two identical populations and then have one consume more sugar than the other because otherwise if we're measuring two different populations there's multiple other factors that are different and they often have multiple like rates of mortality from different diseases anyway so it's like we're not even measuring the same thing anymore yeah so it's really hard to measure because we we can't do it long term yeah um and we kind of just have to extrapolate from theory. And in general, there doesn't seem to be a direct cause of sugar intake to um, diabetes. It's more sugar is a contributing factor that drives an increase in calorie intake. Right. So it's, it's just one of the things that's leading to this massive increase in calorie intake that's occurred since like... And when you say sugar in this case, are you talking about like refined cane yeah, sugar? Yeah, we're, we're right. talking about sugar and it's not like... Sugar itself is necessarily problematic. Like fruit has sugar, yeah. But if we're drinking soda, or we're drinking tropical fruit juice, or we're drinking yeah. um, anything that is like a, a a sugar a sugary beverage, that is pretty much those are pretty much all one of the things that will contribute to a, a calorie surplus right. or an unwanted calorie surplus. Um, and then you might also have some sugar sprinkled in the McDonald's buns, or you might have sugar like a. Um, anywhere pretty much and that would just make the food a little bit tastier mm. but also adds a few extra calories yeah. so one the food's more rewarding but it's also just a little tastier but it's not just sugar that has this quality which is the thing um, people have put sugar on this pedestal or in this cavern or whatever yeah where it's <laughs> the like, opposite of a pedestal yeah it's like they're they're identifying it as this like this is the problem yeah but it's a part of the problem and if we just demonize sugar then we actually create more issues because then we create more binge eating disorders by basically demonizing certain food groups yeah so it's like yes we do want to control um food intake and we do want to control calorie balance but we don't want to demonize certain food groups because once we start doing that then it's like someone let's say someone tries to lose weight and their, their approach starts off with i'm going to cut out sugar I'm going to cut out McDonald's and fast food. And then, okay, they start doing that, and now they just can't have these things ever. They're not allowed to have these things under any circumstance. They can't have chocolate, they can't have cake, they can't have muffins, they can't have cookies. Whatever. Anything in that sort of category, they're not allowed to have anymore. Mm. They might lose a lot of weight. They might lose 5, 10, 15 kilos. They might have lost 20% of their body weight. Great. And that will lead to very good health um, outcomes until it doesn't work anymore. Not that they won't continue to lose weight, but they'll break, they'll binge, and then they'll just 
fallback. This is documented yeah. time and time again. And like like a cheat meal. Yeah, they have a cheat to, meal, but it's yeah. not it's not a planned cheat meal. And like even cheat meals themselves are problematic as well. Like it just becomes an uncontrolled binge and then yeah. it's an eating disorder. And then the eating disorder is is and it's like okay, what's the other way? Like they go and they then become anorexic. Like yeah. that's even worse. But even just casual eating disorders which are that, that would definitely be the wrong terminology and it, it's a very hard thing to talk about eating disorders because mm. they're they're so prominent yet so underrecognized and so understudied as well but there's one good scientist uh jake lenardin um from break binge eating um but it's like it's just this cycle where if they can't get habits in place that allow them to focus on what they're adding in like I would try and prioritize people in general to focus on adding in more vegetables, adding in right. more protein, adding in more carbohydrate sources that are going to fuel you rather than a, a Coke. Or, yeah. But it doesn't mean that you can never have a Coke because as like if you're eating generally less processed food, you're generally going to be eating better, which will at least cover the nutrition portion of your health. Mm. Um, but it's I, I wouldn't... But in general, like food isn't the thing... Like individual... Uh, components of food like sugar or saturated fat or 